Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. lovely Alex. How are you? Hello. Uh, I'm doing fantasmic. Fantasmic. We're both doing fantasmically, guys. This is an episode of Cinema Bias. Oh, long in the making, long overdue. Um, apparently, I'm perfectly doing this from um, Nancy's bedroom in uh, in uh, Tulare because she's a big fan of this movie. This is, of course, uh, the Mangolden age of cinema bias, as I like to call it. Uh, we've been doing all James Mangold films. In order. The, in order, yeah. We started out of order, but now we've gone this order. Um, mm -hmm. And we have hit Walk the Line, one of like arguably his most famous and well-known uh, mm -hmm. films. Absolutely. Um, Alex, you've seen this movie before. I had not. Yes. What were, your, what were your feelings about Walk the Line when it came out? This movie, I can't, well, I can't remember when it came out specifically. It came out in like the mid 2000s, like I want to say 2004, maybe 2005. Joaquin Phoenix was really coming into his own more famously as an actor. He was, yeah. I believe, he was nominated for being one of our favorite movie villains as uh, Commodus, I think, Are from you best actor or best supporting for Gladiator. Or am I crazy? No, I think he was nominated. Okay. But it was actually because of that role where Mangold was like, that guy, Johnny. Mm -hmm. That's gotta that's gotta be my Johnny Cash. <laughs> and I so mean. Yeah, I mean it's and as a result, he ended up picking him for this movie that came out a few a few years later. And it was considered a huge risky move. Uh he wasn't exactly a name main actor at the time. He wasn't pretty right. famous that much. It was real risky. And James Mangold, this is the movie we talk about how some of his other movies, like Girl Interrupted, obviously heavy, really put him on the map, obviously, as far as critics and audiences go. But this movie was like the big one for him. Yes. Um, he into more, to his own. Hi, hi guys. Hi, Brennan. Hey, everyone. I should I should have mentioned, by the way, guys, that uh, because I'm on the road, the Streamlabs setup is uh, a bit wonky. I will be able to pull up Streamlabs so you can donate. We just won't have a donation bar. But I promise you I'll read it out loud. So feel free, streamlabs.com backslash video drew. Um, what I wanted to say, though, was I was into Joaquin Phoenix before it was cool. I was into Joaquin Phoenix for so long after. Uh, quills. There we go. Specifically yeah. in Quills. I think I liked him a lot in Gladiator. Like, I remember seeing that on, a, like, I think my very first date movie and being like, 
like with this guy, Sean. Oh my God, whatever. So I went on my very first date to go see Gladiator. And afterwards, my dad drove okay. us to Sunday or to Fridays mm-hmm. to get some Sundays, which is ironic mm-hmm. now that I think about the name. Um, and I remember just being like, that villain was like really cute. Like, do you guys like really like that villain? Like, was he just really good looking or crazy? Um, I really liked his like his little lip thing. I thought it was really adorable. Um, I can't remember what it's called. What is like the the cl- is it the palette? Yeah. Yeah. palette? Yeah. Yeah. And then like I'd, I'd done research into him after Quills because I just loved that movie as people of this broadcast know. I love that movie so hard that I was just mm-hmm. like learned everything about Joaquin Phoenix after that. And I remember reading a very early profile of him pre-Walk the Line that was talking about he was getting a tattoo with Casey Affleck mm-hmm. as one does. And he was saying that he didn't like being an actor because he felt like a shaved hamster. And I was like, this guy is speaking my language. This guy knows what's up. It's That is nothing of not on brand, incredibly so. Not only for you as yes, a early Joaquin Phoenix fan, obviously, but also for him as an actor. I, I, I did not grow up crushing on him. I remember looking at him as an actor because I before before I saw him in Gladiator or, or anything I remember seeing him the first I think from my earliest memory of Joaquin Phoenix as an actor is in the movie Inventing the Abbots that yeah. period yeah. like drama coming of age drama kind of thing from so I think in the 50s or 60s he did that um he did um Parenthood he's like one of these people like Karen Culkin but like when you look around, you realize because of his brother, like Kieran Culkin, because of his brother, he was in a yes. lot of movies. Yes. His brother famously was River Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix family that were part of that weird, uh, crazy cult. cult. Yeah, the weird cult thing. Um, his brother uh, really sadly died outside of the, the wait, I can't remember how his brother died with suicide or, or drug overdose, but I think it was outside the Viper Room or in the Viper Room. It was a drug overdose. It was like right after a yeah. concert or something. Uh, yeah, it was in the Viper, uh, right after the Viper Room. It is very sad. And I've always felt like that gave Joaquin Phoenix like this air of like tragedy that I feel like very much befits this movie. Like he knows, I feel, I feel like his vibe is, I know I'm not supposed to be the movie star. It was supposed to be my brother. And like, I'm just here as like the dark horse in the family um mm-hmm. and it sort of like suits him very well for this particular movie in which he is not the golden child and the other son sort of died <laughs> the wrong boy lived or whatever they say in dewey cox dewey cox yes the wrong son lived the wrong son lived the devil i feel like that's something walking like phoenix thinks about all the time yeah uh yeah absolutely the this movie in particular going into this movie this is the first time i've seen this movie in years and i last time i saw this movie i might have been in high school at some point and i just remember liking it i remember reese witherspoon was amazing i remember joaquin was amazing i remember thinking oh my gosh johnny johnny cash cool weird music and because yeah. before and I could thing is I didn't I don't really I'm not a big music person. I didn't grow up listening to him. I didn't know a lot of his songs. So I didn't initially know a lot of the references and I still don't to be completely honest. That's, I mean, can be honest, but, that's something that I've always liked about you, Alex. You and me, not big music people. That's okay. You not that into music. I mean, I like the music I like, but I'm not gonna yeah. go out and like look for new music. And that's just something about me that people will have to get used to. Yeah, I listen. I literally listen to the same playlists for like the past, 
for the past like five years. Oh, uh, I listen to the same cast recordings. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just the, the big dork over here, but not even like new musicals, just musicals I already know from my mm -hmm. childhood. Like I might as well be listening to Daffy. I listen to the same um, musicals nowadays. I listen to Legally Blonde musical and song. American Psycho <laughs> the musical. I've never heard American Psycho the musical. That sounds oh like my gosh. Okay. Is it, is it all Huey Lewis in the news? Oh no, that's that's one of them though. Um, but in they the London, the London recording, in the, in the okay. London cast, the original London cast, Matt Smith, yes, Doctor Who fame, no. oh, last night in Soho fame, yes, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, Mr. Frankenstein Alien Man, yes, oh my God, his face. he plays he looks Patrick like Bateman. He, no, his, no, because Patrick Bateman's supposed to be, like, interchangeable with a lot of people, whereas Matt Smith Girl. looks like he's wearing a fake-ass jail. No, it's absolutely. I agree with you one million trillion gazillion percent. And he, I haven't yeah. seen it. I've seen clips of him doing it, but he makes it work. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he does. He's got like kind of like a weird alien sleaziness to him that I believe it works. Um, yeah. I know that in the non-musical version that was on off-Broadway or Broadway, I think, like um, Pablo yeah. Schreiber like played Patrick Bateman. I know he played him in the audio book too, like uh, Porn Sash from Orange is the New Black. Oh, I can see that. Like him, I believe. Matt Smith and his Pablo Schreiber is so beautiful. Oh. Pablo or leave. Pablo Schreiber. Oh. Oh, dude. Do you know that I know him? Like I, I am uh -huh. friends with him. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. There's like a couple of pictures of us partying together, like from like a decade ago. But like he used to come up to me behind me in parties and go, "Project," because he always said that I mumbled too fast and like didn't talk. Like I didn't elocute my words or whatever so we'd come up behind me at parties and be like perfect look and at you two around. having your inside jokes how fucking adorable drew yeah he's, su he's super cute he's super cute um mm -hmm. but anyway back to walk the line <laughs> <laughs> like i could talk about the, the vaguely famous people i know for hours they, they i i also just i know it's back to Pablo schreiber but we're gonna get back to that i promise we're gonna go back to ring of fire and johnny cash and all that good stuff yes but Pablo schreiber he's one of my favorite parts of american gods the tv show oh my god he's so Nobody good he plays like a six foot six leprechaun oh yeah i'm trying to see right now if <laughs> i can pull up the picture that we're together like the party oh, inspired casting <laughs> um Let's He's see, wonderful. I think I can pull it up. I think there's like a image of it. Yep, found it. I immediately found the picture of me and Pablo Shriver. Yay. Yeah, I'll share it with you. You're welcome, by the way. Let's see. I'm ready to cry. Let's see. Uh, there we go. It's kind of a big watermark on it, but you can still see it. Okay, I'm so under watermarks. Okay. Share screen. This is for my other life. And like, That's don't be mean and like make fun of me, but let's see. It mm -hmm. is. So if you see, there is oh, oh my There's god, he's so much taller than me. My friend, my he editor friend not. Rocky, the uh, photographer friend of mine, and my friend Greg Bellow on the left there. Oh, gosh, yeah, dapper as fucking ever. Yeah, oh, he's but great. He, I, bet, I bet he was phenomenal as Patrick Bateman. I imagine he would have made a great Patrick Bateman. I also like how mm -hmm. I'm dressed up for what is obviously like a like event party. And me and my friend Greg are dressed up like the biggest schlubs. Like, I am wearing jeans and we look like the rattiest shoes in the entire world. They look like I'm literally got some duct tape. Hey, on that's in style, Drew. Yeah. But I mean, like, look at the look at the guy that's next to Pablo who is in the other jeans. Like, he's wearing jeans that are, like, very 
nice fitting and his shoes are cool and he's got good laces. He I, as much in his shoes. I, I mean, mean, what a shame. Anyway, so this is a little bit about Drew's past life as a vaguely knowing famous person person. Um, but Walk the Line. Yeah, so I was like, I somehow missed this movie despite being mm -hmm. such a huge fan of um, of Joaquin like my entire life. Uh, mm -hmm. I did not see this movie until like two weeks ago. That's like I watched crazy. it. Yeah, I know. It's oh. just, you know what? My thing is, I don't look, don't like hate me for this. I don't love Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Well, do, do you think it was more, not so much um, that you, you, you kind of avoided it or maybe it just kind yeah. of passed you by not really thinking like, about it? No, I thought about it. Like, I don't like Biodocs. I like Johnny Cash, but I don't, don't like, like Biodocs. I don't like Oscar like Bates. No, I don't or, like Biopics. Or what about music-oriented films? I mean, I like musicals, but, like, again, like, so Biopics are, like, weird. Like, I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't like the whole narrative that they make fun of in Dewey Cox, which is actually really funny. But I find these, like, movies, especially about musicians, like, to be very, like, trite and to follow, like, a formula, like, you know, Get On Up yeah. or Ray or, like, so I feel like I hadn't seen this movie, but like that was okay. I hadn't realized that he did all his own singing for this movie, which is Both like, Henry, yes. mm -hmm. which is incredible because he sounds so much like Johnny Cash. Uh, he's so good in this. And I now I like wish I had seen it because I think actually out of all the roles Reese Witherspoon has ever played, I think this role and her Pretty Little Liars role might be like the two that I most consider like to be very accurate to who I think Reese Witherspoon is. Maybe the morning news one too. <laughs> I, 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 I really wouldn't know honestly i haven't seen now that i think about it i haven't seen a crazy um ton of her filmography overall uh oh, when i think of, Reese with Spoon, I think of i think of l woods attorney yes yeah, I, 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 I grew up in like the, i'm a little bit older than you i grew up in the era of like cruel intentions pleasant I, love cruel intentions. I mean she was literally in every freaking movie for a while. I was like her and Tobey Maguire were in every film that you could possibly see in like the late 90s. I didn't discover Cruel Intentions until I was in high school and then I fell in love with Cruel Intentions and I love Cruel Intentions but I didn't watch Cruel Intentions because of Reese Witherspoon. I watched Cruel Intentions because I absolutely had a huge crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar. I was like that um, here's a hot tip though. Nobody watched Cruel Intentions for uh Reese Witherspoon. She's yeah. like, her character is literally like the boring uh normal She's girl. The white rice. She's white yeah. rice in the movie. That's I mean, fine. but Ryan Felipe and, and Sam Michelle have the hottest chemistry ever in that movie about like what is based on a story about it's basically like uh in-law incest. Like step step sibling incest. I think in the original story, the dangerous liaisons, they are like uh, again. I think they're like related, but not by blood. They're like they're the technically like cousins or something. I think they're cousins in dangerous liaisons. I think they're step siblings in cruel intentions. Anyway, we keep getting off this movie. This movie is about yes. Johnny Cash and his life, <laughs> of which I learned some things about. I did and not. They're know definitely that. not incestuous. Definitely no. not cousins in this movie. I don't think there's any incest. Although, who really knows? I mean. I'll be honest. I like this film. Okay. I think it really works. I liked how it ended quite honestly. Like um, Eric was pointing this out that it didn't end like the, it. Dewey Cox makes fun of this movie and uses this movie as sort of the template for how all biopics works. But this movie actually doesn't have like a template ending. Like the ending is very much like a, a low key note, like because mm -hmm. the end of this movie is like, it's building up his drug addiction, his falling in love with June Carter, 
uh, you know, it's all about his his other marriage and like his the pills and all this stuff. And so you think it's gonna oh, end, like, mm. you know, you're at the you start in Folsom prison, then you get the whole thing as a flashback. So you think maybe it's gonna end in Folsom prison, but no, it like, it ends with him asking her for the fortieth time to like marry him on stage, and she's like, yeah. But then it cuts to like him just hanging out at his house with his dad and his kids and being like, hey, maybe you should tell him about my brother sometime, and like or like tell us talk about the time that you floated away on the door. Like he's just quietly makes amends with his father and then there's like a postscript about how he never like touched drugs or alcohol again and that he died like four months after her while they were making this movie yes yeah. um and, well, well well i know she i think she died just a few months before the release of this movie no, no, or no. like making this movie no that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is yeah. i think she died right before they they were already like i remember the interviews where they'd gone over to the house and they'd met both of them I think mm -hmm. she died right before production started. And I believe oh, he died God. during production. Um, mm -hmm. If I remember that correctly, because remember like he, he had enough time to make the hurt music video, which is still to date the saddest music video that's ever been created. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the best ever. And probably I think like the best Johnny cash cover. And that's saying a lot because most of his songs were covers. Um, even yeah. like Nine Inch Nails, when Johnny Cash did like a work, did did covers of their songs, Nine Inch Nails was like, this is your song now. We're good. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of what he did, right? That's what this movie kind of yeah. points out. He's like, he did a lot yeah. of like, well, this is somebody else's song, but now it's your song. You've been blessed. Yeah. This is yours, man. You, you made it your own. Um, I think, you know, because Ring of Fire was her song. In this movie, he's like clearly covering uh, her ex-husband's music and some other like bands. But overall, I'm going to try to like lean down a little bit. Overall, like what I thought about this movie was it's it's just that. It's like a template and it's a really good template. And I think he does like a fantastic job. And it is a shame that he wasn't nom uh, that he didn't win for this film. Was he nominated? He was nominated for Best Lead Actor. Um, it was also I know I was doing research on this movie and I also and I noticed that it was kind of a funny little combo because um, Heath Ledger was also nominated for Best Lead Actor for And it's funny because obviously Heath Ledger obviously died later on. And the thing is, he actually ended up winning an Oscar. Um, posthumously. Uh, yes, for obviously yeah. the Joker, but also and later so on, Joaquin Phoenix. That's what he did. So it was yeah. just like, Everyone that year who get like didn't go home with the Oscar got the consolation prize of getting an Oscar for playing the Joker. <laughs> yeah, and Jared yeah. was just sitting in the corner, just like biding his time. Yeah, for real. <laughs> no, no, sorry, Jared. Um, yeah, so okay, so like you mentioned, when it comes comes to this movie, it kind of took you a while, but you were surprised with how it didn't really abide by the traditional music biopic formula, essentially. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, basically. That was basically mm -hmm. my inherent problem with it. Mm -hmm. Well, with that being said, what are some music biopics that you do like? Or like you mentioned, you kind of mentioned earlier that you're not a big fan of them. They usually go with go this route with Bohemian Rhapsody and everything and usually doesn't go well. Um, are there any ones in particular that you do really like? I mean, not really, because by definition, like, uh, I call them biodocs. I guess that they're called biopics, but uh, you know, by definition, I feel like they are always like follow the same narrative, and they're always like way too yeah. like almost like forgiving of the person that they're yes. doing. I think Get On Up is like a good example of one that does not try to be like 
super like this guy was a good person like it starts out and you're like mm -hmm. oh he's like like a bad man like he, he like, starts out and he's shooting up yeah. like a, a strip mall like with a, a giant shotgun like he's he is not being shown in the best light james brown but um mm -hmm. i kind of liked i i weirdly kind of liked the um elton john one rocket man i didn't think it was great i think yeah. the best music biodoc i've ever seen was one that is not technically a music biodoc because they couldn't get the rights to david bowie so they sort of worked around like a fantastical version what? of his life, which is the Velvet Goldmine or Velvet Goldmine, it's called. Oh, um, no. It's funny you say that because um, in, there was like a 20, I think it was 2019 or 2020 movie that uh, it was a bio is a Bowie biopic as well. But they came across the same problem. And so I, when you were describing that, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to say it like. It is fantastic. It has Owen McGregor, Owen McGregor, Christian Bale, mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan Reese. That's on my watch list for a while. Jonathan yeah. Reese Myers, whatever the guy is from Mission Impossible, who's no longer allowed to like be on set because he's uninsurable, like Robert Downey Jr. was in the 80s uh, or 90s, rather. Mm -hmm. um, it is a fantastic. And it's by what's his name? Um, it's by Todd, not Todd Salons, not Todd Haynes. It is. Um, the other Todd, Velvet Goldmine. It is 98, so it's right around this time. And it was, uh, who who directed it? Todd Haynes. Oh, it was Todd Haynes. So if you like, you know, the Todd Haynes movies, if you like Carol, right? So you'll like this. I love Carol. Oh, Carol's one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. I, love I just Carol. wrote a piece for Rotten Tomatoes about how um, Carol is one of the new modern classics of Christmas movies. I absolutely agree. It is. Um, I would also like um, his version of uh, the Bob Dylan thing. I'm not there, which is again like just a fantastical version of a biopic. Like it's not a traditional mm -hmm. biopic. Is uh, yeah, like Rocket Todd Man. Haynes's, I'm not there. Also, also Todd Haynes's first movie, which was called um, Karen Carpenter Superstar, which told the story of Karen Carpenter, but it was all done with Barbie dolls. <laughs> it was like his first film. That is a fantastic movie. It's a weird that movie. Interesting. Yeah, it's not. It's a weird I mean, movie, but it's it's a, it's a good movie. I, I have to say, uh, I, I I didn't watch music biopics or even biopics more generally until later on in my like early mid twenties when I started becoming more of a conscious cinephile. And um, as a result, and I binged like a, a bunch of them at the time, uh, like La Bamba. I watched it for the first time. I still really enjoy La Bamba. Um, but one of my favorites, favorite music biopics, but also one of my favorite uh, period films of all time uh, would have to be The Doors. Oh, which one? The Doors. Never seen it. Oh, and I used to have a big crush on Val Kilmer too, so that's even weirder. Um, it's very still. I think you'll like it. It's directed by Oliver Stone. Um, but that's not the reason why you'll like it in particular. But it's it's kind of similar to this movie where the 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 identity of the actor and the character, the the, the actual person, really is melds together where you're not really sure even a lot of um even a lot of like the 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 original doors musicians they came forward and we were and we were, they were like hey we're listening to the music and we literally thought it was jim morrison yeah 
we had yeah. no idea it was Val Kilmer. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is like why it's so hard. So and much I, like him. I just uh, I realized the other one that I have not seen, so I can't claim this is like a great biopic, but like I really want to watch it, and it seems like way more up my alley than the traditional biopic is something like Amadeus. Like yes, something where I'm everyone has been dead for so long that like you can't just like be bowing down to like their legacy. Like mm -hmm. I, I hate that. Like that we're all just sort of like tiptoeing around like the real stuff, and we're always ending on this weirdly high note that they died with some sort of like like mm -hmm. moment where they like so Freddie Mercury died right after like a live aid or whatever. It's like no, like no one gets like a postscript on their life. Like people well, it's, died it's and yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny you say that in particular when referencing Amadeus, because I feel like uh, the movie Amadeus, even though you have not seen it, which I'm sure we will, I would love to cover on this show sometime in the future after the end of my golden age. <laughs> golden age, yeah. Yeah, I would love to cover it just because not only is it a great film, it's a huge epic, all that grand sweeping million, there's a million and one things really great about it. But a lot of the things that you kind of talk about how you're, you're not a big fan of like because it's incredibly formulaic it ends on this certain note blah, blah blah that's what Amadeus does um yeah honestly it's it's I found it very formulaic it's very obvious you can't deny how fantastic the performances and everything it's like, are it's, isn't it tough in the POV of like um F Murray Abraham so it's like it's all just like about mm -hmm. like the jealousy Tiger. and like sort of like, Amadeus is not like this Ish. like guy Ish. he's like he's a fucking asshole right well, let's say it's on. It's weird because it's it's very frustrating to me because I'm like in real life. I'm like I know that's not their relationship. Mm, I my fact checker self. I'm like that. No, they were actually like good friends. They were like mentor mentee. They were like genuinely had a really good relationship. Yeah, he, like, did, but, like, wasn't he jealous? That was true. No, he did, no, like, he, he actually wrote like uh, they actually have still have journals, uh, Calgary's journals, being like how how they would stay up late together and they would go over music they would nerd out over music and they had similar they would get drunk together and they would make fart jokes together and but they weren't they weren't they didn't consider themselves rivalries they consider themselves very much like an older and younger brother they had a very genuine friendship and so when it's kind of turned in the movie similarly as Amadeus where they make it seem like an intense rivalry where there's like this passionate hatred and jealousy towards the genius that is now with that we know as Mozart. It's it's kind of frustrating to my little fact checker brain. I forgot about one more music biodoc that I really like, which is straight out of Compton. Like that's like that's the version mm -hmm. of a music biodoc that yeah, like it still hits the beats of like the gang's falling apart, the gang's coming back together, somebody in the mm -hmm. gang is like breaking off and doing his own thing and getting bad advice from his terrible manager that he might be sleeping with, like in most cases, not in what, in Constant, but usually that's what's happening. I um, can't, I haven't seen that one, so I will take your word for it. I mean, Straight Outta Compton is a fantastic movie. Like that movie is just nothing but good things, so I definitely need to make a priority. Um, I, I don't know what this is referring to. Amadeus died after Live Aid 2. I don't know what that means. It is a joke. He's saying oh, he's just like, like Freddie Mercury. He's saying, oh, is it? I was like, I was like, I was like, I can't tell if he's referencing Freddie Mercury or Queen or something, but okay. That went over as well as a lead balloon. Just kidding. Well, back to this movie. Uh, this movie um, with Walk the Line, obviously, 
this movie was a huge success. It, I don't know about how much of a financial success it was, but it was nominated for several, I think four or five Oscars at the time, um, both for lead lead actor and actress, obviously Reese Witherspoon, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I also believe it was, it won an Oscar for best costumes as well. Um, I, but honestly, all the nominations that it did receive and any that it did win, I think were completely justified. I know you said you're, you have a very, very much a bias against Reese Witherspoon. I I do very much bias. I just find her like a little, like I find her like, she just turns me off a little bit. Like, I don't know what totally it is. Like, totally. She like, seems like a very type A personality, and like I, it's just like not for me. Do you think that's? Um, do you think going into having that mindset regarding an actor going into a movie like this, especially being a biopic? Do I don't you know. Think it's that not like she's playing herself, but like I actually really did like her in this role. Like I liked her as June Carter because she like was Why able to Carter? loosen up a little bit because she's usually like I feel like kind of playing like uptight characters or playing like really serious ones and in this one she's like a little bit more a little bit more loose having a little bit more fun with it and I really like that um so she did a good job in this I really thought that like this did follow an interesting narrative because like if you know anything mm-hmm. about the Cash and Carter marriage it's like they were like bonded for life they were like mated like swans like again like he died like 4 months after she died and like only to like record in between the most like beautiful mm-hmm. heartbreaking cover of all time that was just like a tribute to her. Um, mm-hmm. And so like n- not knowing that he had a wife before that or like kids before that, but that like totally makes sense. And making this sort of about their love story, I thought like I knew where this was going, but it wasn't really mm-hmm. about like their love story. I mean, it was about their love story, but it was, is, and also I felt like it was just going to he- be heavy about his drug addictions, but I felt like it like was just more like, formulaic about drug addiction stuff like it just kind of like it almost like forgot that he was supposed to be addicted to drugs and then just like landed that beat super hard and then was like okay now he's not anymore uh but like it didn't like it wasn't a constant through the movie he wasn't like gradually getting drunker or like more on pills it was just like one day he woke up and was like i want all the pills and all the alcohol and then he stored them all in his guitar while leaving mexico (laughs) um yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i definitely agree with you it's this movie, I, I was surprised upon rewatch how much of a love drama it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. I expected, I, I I expected for for this movie, which it very much is, uh, to be almost completely centered on Johnny Cash's character, his character yeah. growth, his arc, and everything. But I was surprised by how much how dominant in the story. Uh, the love, the the romance, their romance really took into it. Not to say that, like, I knew that they, that a, obviously that a, that a huge, like, a long, long-term standing uh, relationship and everything. They were married, uh, they recorded albums together, they toured together and everything. But I didn't realize it was, that was going to be such a big focus in the movie. Right, and, what they, and they really allow her to be, like, not just like the love interest, not just like the gen- like this movie is very much, and I think like because it's they messy. were so like, yeah, well, it's almost like you know what it remind me of, like, and not in like a good way. So don't like take this a bad way, people. Like, cause <laughs> you know how I feel about these movies, but it kind of remind me of like the stuff they do with the Warrens in the Conjuring verse, which is like very much about like how they are they are a team and they work together, and like the, the movies are very much about like their 
how they function as a couple instead of just like yes. focusing on Lorraine or, or, or Ed Warren. And I feel like this movie is very much about like them functioning or dysfunctioning as like a unit, uh, even though yes. like, the first part of the movie is about like just him growing up alone. Well, they were even behind the scenes, Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix, the James Mangold had comment, had uh, commented in interviews talking about how codependent they are. They were when it came to practicing for the six months up prior to production that they would train together in order to make sure not only they could sound together, um, on, on points together about how they could sound actually individually, get their voices correct musically and non. Um, but they apparently mangled, he mentioned during an interview, yeah, they, yeah, they, they kind of made a pact that if one of them dropped out, the other one would too, and, and things like that. And so I was always kind of really interesting. And I wonder how much of that was taken, inspired by the real codependent relationship that June Carter and Johnny Cash had, or if it, and they, and they really wanted to emulate their, their relationship to a certain extent behind the scenes. Well, you know, what was very not. interesting about like how this film was made, like the origin story of it is like fascinating. So, the way, that, so the way this was happened was um, Johnny Cash guest starred on an opposite uh, episode of Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Sounds about right. <laughs> right. In 1993. Then him and his wife, while he was guest starring on the show, became friends with Jane Seymour, who was the star of the show. Then Jane introduced them to, I think, her husband, uh, who is this guy, I forget his name, James something, um, who directed the episode of uh, Dr. Quinn, that episode. So then, right. and then they were like, hey, James, like, you should make a story about our life. Like, our life is super interesting together. And James is like, okay, sure. Duh, duh, duh. And he started to, like, interview them. So he basically just began interviewing them and, like, getting their life, like, uh, like uh, almost like an oral an oral history of their mm -hmm. lives so he had hours and hours and hours of like them just talking about what their lives were like together so um that was turned into a screenplay and then like for years there were no studio interests and then he contacted james mangold um and james mangold and his wife uh developed it for sony because she was a producer so it was like <laughs> it was like this very weird convoluted process but johnny and june johnny cash and june carter were like behind it 100 percent of the way like this was not one of those posthumous uh, biopics where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, the band is the only one left and they have like a certain idea about what they were like. No, this is very much based on like them. It started filming while they were still mm -hmm. alive. Uh, they went over to their house a lot to like meet with them and they were still um, when they were still in production. And like it's, you know, by the time the movie came out, I think both of them had already passed away. Yeah. It was really sad. Absolutely. I there's something I think really translates well to this movie is that there is such a there it seemed like there was such a real genuine deep connection between the actors when filming and their their characters and if they didn't and they actually realized they hated each other who the fuck knows but i believed the shit out of their chemistry and their relationship watching this movie it there there was no point where i was like and eh, they they're probably just it, it just feels like they're kind of best friends and they just happen to be really attractive and they just made it work you mm -hmm. know 
because I feel like that happens a lot where they're just like two hot people on screen. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, like, you know, even if there's no chemistry and whereas, you know, but in this movie, I'm like, that's. Yeah. I mean, like, it's funny that like, um, you know, she was not going to do the film because she yeah. found out that she would have to sing in it. And she was like, Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, I don't do that. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. She never really, apparently she never really sang before. No, she didn't. And she like yeah. almost just walked out. She was like, I'm not going to like do this because it's not like my thing. So, yeah. uh, and I don't imagine Joaquin being the easiest person to, to have chemistry with just because he seems like such a method actor. Like he seems like he'd be kind of a, a big handful. Like a, he'd be a very, well, I like to say in this household as a very Drew-like figure. He's going to be a big mood and he's going to be over there. And like, you have to either be able to handle him at his worst or be able to handle him at his worst That's he, okay. Let, let's let's put it a little let's 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 tell it say what it is he seems like he would be a fucking problem on set yeah well i never hear that he's a problem method, method acting method. and method actors on set cause a lot of problems do we need to talk yeah. about Jared leto in suicide squad do we need to another talk joker. about another um, joker Another Joker. Do we need to talk about uh, specifically, um, literally, um, what do I call it? Um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Everything. He he literally had, like, when when filming the movie My Left Foot, which he later... Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, sorry. Daniel Day-Lewis. Thank you for the correction. He literally had someone feed him during their off time. Alex, you just keep hitting into the uh, things that I have just written uh, scripts for. But like, yes, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, in my left foot famously had himself rolled around in a wheelchair for the entirety of sh- shooting. Yeah. He used to get He's out making- of the wheelchair, had himself be fed and like some other yeah. crazy shit. Like some just it's truly bonkers method shit. Method acting. I, I am so Kyle for... Kyle in shower for like months and pulled out his own tooth. Yeah. Cage pulled out his own tooth, I think, at one point and ate a live cockroach. I'm just like, my favorite story is like um, sort Lawrence Olivier talking to Dustin Hoffman on the set of Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman comes in all scraggly because he hasn't slept in three days. And Lawrence Olivier is like, Why would you do that? And he's like, Well, you know, I'm trying to get into the mindset of like this guy, you know, he's been up, he's he's gonna be going crazy, his teeth, blah blah. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Olivier goes, It's called acting, my dear boy. <laughs> well, I, I I get it to a certain point. And if you're when you're in your own time and your preparations and everything, when it comes to the movie, absolutely go fucking crazy. But when you're on set where you're causing issues for other people, where you're like, hey, I know you have a job, but I want you to do another job that and that is to take care of me because I'm method acting. Yeah, I don't think- <laughs> like that's that's a problem. Or you cause you make other people really uncomfortable because oh, yeah. you use to break character. I don't think like by the way, like it's a very misunderstood term. Method acting actually refers to a style of acting from Lee Strasberg thing, uh, which is like to use <laughs> your sense memories of specific events in your life to yeah. channel it's it's not the thing where people get so into character it's not just necessarily the thing where people are like mm-hmm. you have to call me the joker off like when we're not shooting or like, some actors you know, like, would do that they, a, not some always, people, like, it's, not, it's not necessarily about living your life as a character like the, the what method acting is the actual method acting is like using sense memories of experiences you've actually had and channeling mm-hmm. that into a character but like yes. i think it's that term is often like conflated with the idea of someone just being really uh like way too into their role 
which and I think it's a fine substitution in terms of unless you're an actor and have like a real issue with like the Lee Strasberg terms, I think it's totally fine to just be like method acting. And it's just when people go too hard. But I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix is actually I know he's like an intense actor. I don't know, like if he's a if he's method or like the one who gets confused about who he is actor, because I know he's broken his foot a couple times, like uh, in Joker, maybe possibly in this movie, because he definitely looks like he almost broke his foot while kicking that guitar. But, um, Do you remember when Joaquin Phoenix did promos for the movie I'm Not um, There? Yeah. Yeah. Where he was like, I knew what he was doing. Yeah. He, well, the thing is, I, I didn't know. I, oh, I, yeah, wasn't reading, I wasn't reading movie news. I wasn't watching a ton of interviews or anything like that. I literally just would see a guy on a during on a on the couch of some show and him but being like, there. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to act anymore. You know what I want to do? Yeah. <laughs> I want I want a release a rap album. And everyone was like Well oh, what he what? was doing was was a was a direct uh, like almost homage to what Crispin Glover did while he was promoting his weird movie back in the 80s on Letterman where everyone got confused and was like, Crispin Glover's a freak because he showed up promoting this movie in character. So mm -hmm. he was doing like this weird, like, yeah, like I guess method style bit, but it was like also kind of like ahead of its time meta comedy bit. Mm -hmm. And like where he was just like kind of fooling the public into thinking he was this character and like Letterman played along and acted like, like he didn't know what was going on. And the same thing with the Letterman and, and Phoenix interview, I think. Um, and like, yeah, it fooled some people, but that was like the period I liked Joaquin the least in because I was like, mm -hmm. man, like who who cares? Like you, you're fooling some people. So good, you tricked them. Like good, you tricked the most of America who doesn't know who you are to into believing that you're like a scummy dude who wants to release a rap album while your friend Cassie Affleck like films you the entire time. And I've never seen, um, what's it called again? Because I was confused with like four other titles. I'm not All there. Right. Yeah, I'm not there. I think it's called I'm not there. Or is that the is that the Todd Haynes movie with the give me a hot minute, give me a hot minute. I'm not there. And then there was also that other one that he was in that's called uh I was never really here, right? That's also like a, one of his movies. Can, anyway, give me a hot minute, man. I'm trying I'm long, working, I'm long story short, it makes total sense to me that he's with Rooney Mara, another sort of like intense actress who never ate a pie until she was forced to eat an entire pie in one shot for that movie ghost story starring Casey Affleck. Okay. Um, I, I stand corrected. So the one that really got everyone confused, myself included was 2010's I'm still here. I'm still here and, and I'm not there. I'm the still here. So I appreciate the correction. And then later on, he, he did in 2017, he did the movie. You were never really here. Never here. Yep. That was a Lynn Ramsey movie. And the Todd Haynes movie is called I'm Not There, right? That's the one I was just talking about. That's the Bob Dylan one. I, no. Oh, shoot. He's yeah, not in it. I'm saying like he's, he's not in it. it. Yeah. 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 I'm not here. Yeah. yeah. So that, I always get those three titles confused. I'm not here. Uh, I'm still you were never here, really here. And I was never really here. <laughs> Two of which are Joaquin Phoenix titles. It's very confusing. I'm <laughs> like, and but they all fish like feature people with like really messy ratty hair. Well, also yeah, that's like, true. They do, and also they actually <laughs> kind of form a narrative if you're paying attention. Like it's like, I'm not here. I'm still here. I was never really here. <laughs> it's the order of them. And it's funny with the the Bob Dylan biopic. I um, think he wasn't in that actually. He should have been. I feel like I'm really not. Yeah, looking back, considering the amount of people who are in it, I mean like. You got everyone in it. You got um, 
ton of people. Um, but I remember being most taken aback, especially from Cape Blanchett, and be like, "Well, yeah, I think my entire life I thought it was Tilda, but it is Cape Blanchett, isn't it? Who plays Cape Blanchett? I, I think she was nominated, actually. Probably. I mean, could be wrong. You know what but... his next project is that I'm so fucking excited for? What? You know what he's going to do next? It's called Disappointment Boulevard. It is the new Ari Aster movie. So the guy who did Midsommar and Hereditary. It is a uh, black, a horror black comedy and a decade spanning portrait of one of the most success, successful entrepreneurs of all time. Starring, this cast list is fucking nuts. I went over this with Collins the other day. Cast list of Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Ryan, uh, Michael Gandolfini, Parker Posey, Nathan Lane, Zoe Lister-Jones, uh, let's see, Patty Lapone. Wait for it. Wait for it. Uh, and then, yeah, Meryl Streep. That I don't know how I feel about that. Like, what, yeah, what is this movie going to be about? This Ari Aster movie starring I... Nathan Lane, Michael Gandolfini, Amy Ryan's Joaquin Phoenix. Like, what is this movie going to be? And Parker Posey, I love it. The only... I... I, I Ari Aster is a director that I probably for the rest of my life i will never miss a movie from oh um, you will never he... miss it like you will never not see it or you will never see it oh i mean i will never not see it you, um, you go girl as long as that's what you were saying yes <laughs> never not see it um because i because i i know a lot of people don't weren't fans but i really really loved miss mar and i watched Reddity, her, sorry hereditary and being like you, my, me and my mom and my family watch Hereditary to like to chill out. We think it's like the funniest movie ever. We love Hereditary. You know what? Everyone's a Hereditary household. And then me and my mom saw Midsummer together, and we were like laughing hysterically in the aisle. No one else was laughing at the end. And I was like, I think this is supposed to be a comedy, like a dark comedy. And my mom was like cracking up. Like we were just dying about the bear suit and like the sex scene in that, like near the end. We were dying, and everyone else in the theater was like dead silent. I mean, my mom was losing our shit. It's, um, it's hey, John, honestly, it, I found it very comedic at a lot of those. Yeah, points. I think his stuff is so darkly traumatic that there can't be comedy in that too. But I think you know what it is, it's like, to be fair, it's a Jewish thing. I feel like you have to, maybe you got to be Jewish or know a lot of Jewish people to get that this can be both traumatizing and very dark and very serious, but mm -hmm. also contain a lot of like black comedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't. Can I, I cannot con uh, contradict or fight you in any way she performed for that. Um, I hear this cast list coming up for Disappointment Boulevard, and what I what thing is what I love about his previous movies is that out a lot of the movies like Tony Collette and everything, sure, so good. But um, Alex Wolf and everything that Tony Collette, she didn't how she did not get a nomination or anything still hurts me. Robbed, robbed of a nomination. I'm still actively angry over that. Um, but what I really liked about those movies is that um, it's they're really great on effective ensemble casts. Yeah. However, there one doesn't necessarily outshine the other but it is always about i think about female trauma and i really yes. like that about him that he it doesn't um, shy away from like showing mm -hmm. the trauma and what is traumatizing about being bearing mm -hmm. witness to like female yeah. trauma and like mm -hmm. i think it's it focuses on women in a way that i feel like is very like empathic uh and very cool like 
Absolutely. Like a, Absolutely. Yeah. Same for Midsommar. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I think it's that's what's really great about it. Also, sometimes when you watch movies with certain stars, it can be almost distracting to see with certain stars. Because if I see, like I mentioned before, if I see Brad Pitt in a Star Trek movie, I'm like, is that Brad Pitt? What the fuck is he doing in a Star Trek movie? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's distracting. Yeah. They haven't cast in a movie. So when I hear when I see this cast list and I'm like, okay, uh, comedy, horror, drama kind of thing. I'm I'm, I'm still so and you know what's it should big be called fucking massive cast. I'm like yeah, that Nathan makes me so nervous. Oh, it doesn't make me nervous, I, I but I do have actors. a new like, I have a new name for what we should be calling it. It should be called a tromedy. A tromedy, guys, because Girl, it is. Let's get that patented right now. Tromedy. I'm, I'm going to get video to patent it soon. So I'm going to do it. Tromedy. That's strong. Trademark here, baby. Perfect. John Lestrina Johnny Cash may have walked the line, but Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time. I'm not sure if you guys could hear that, but it says Johnny Cash may have walked the line, but Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time. Thank I you. I would love to see Dominic Toretto walk from Nashville to June Carter's house. Fair. I didn't realize that this was a title that like both referred to something they say in the movie where she's like, you yeah. cannot walk the line. And you're like, oh, that's the title. They did the thing. But also he does walk from her house from very far away. Mm -hmm. Also look, gotta love a movie that has a good amphetamine subplot. You're just like, that person's getting a lot done during this period of his life. Even if he's like a total train wreck, he's being very yeah. productive. <laughs> he's going on yeah. tour. Like, that's something you can't really say that. Uh... In most drug stories, you cannot say that. Like it's, it's that's a true. But in amphetamine stories, it's always like, they got a lot done during this period, but they were like going crazy. Mm-hmm. I absolutely yeah. yeah for sure for sure i yeah so does so does uh, johnny cash he has a car too but he you know he walked because he could he wanted it for exercise well he walked because the car was in the shop because it's implied i know I, I, I know but that was like the excuse he gave um my favorite part of this is watching joaquin phoenix try to like get that tractor out of the mud and then falling backwards into the lake and you're like oh shit like he could have died and being mm -hmm. like oh yeah that's probably what he wanted like he probably he probably gave so little shit about his life during this period of time like the way that his dad mm -hmm. was that he just would have been fine just falling back and like being like rap johnny cash died in a tractor accident before like ever recording false in prison well this movie it i think something that it really tackles on it kind of treads a little lightly is that he does battle mental illness that's very obvious however and, and battling trauma and drug use and everything obviously but the conversation surrounding suicide or just suicidal thoughts i think was well it wasn't like really it wasn't blatant but it was much more subtle um it, yeah it's, it's something that he did very well yeah he did this very well and girl interrupted as well right like he mm -hmm. it's like we're so i'm starting to get a beat of what he the themes that james mangold is interested in and they are sort of yeah this flirtation with darkness this sort of like staring into the void but like you know ultimately pretty redemptive stories so far like every movie we watched has like a pretty uplifting 
uh ending you know but like yeah i think mm -hmm. in almost every single one without fail there is a scene where someone either tries to commit suicide or their friend does or except for kate and leopold let me say that uh but like is it, it uh -huh. doesn't leave forever have something where he like oh he's being killed on a mental war because i think he's crazy but yeah yeah but well, i mean else, also he, yeah, he sounds he sounds crazy it makes sense that they would try to put him in a mental war totally i thought he had a suicide thing, but I'm really sneaking thinking. away they just thought he had a suicide thing because he fell off a building which you know happens when you're time traveling i, I guess i actually uh, thought of you pretty recently drew because i actually oh, put together and i oh, for for some of my friends i actually put together a hundred point iron man match <laughs> and, Yay. Um, I, I, I did, and but one of the questions was in the category of two thousands. David Lynch, Lee Schreiber. Lee Schreiber plays a time plays a time traveler in what's like two thousand one, two thousand two film. I oh, that's a great way to phrase everyone. it. I stumped everyone. <laughs> that's a really good way to phrase it. I've been doing um these these uh, New York uh, New Yorker crosswords, and like when I get to the challenging <laughs> ones, yeah, like all the clues are basically five pointers. In Schmodown, like the clues will be like word tricks or like associations that you wouldn't normally make. Like that's like how they work. And so I'm trying mm -hmm. to teach my brain how to do that mm -hmm. more often. Those are hard. I can never do that. That's I'm almost done this week's, I think. I think. Oh, good for you. Yeah. That's pretty that's, to that's talent right there for sure. Thank you. No, it's, it's time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort. It's definitely not easy. Um, yeah. For this movie, I, I do obviously. This movie did win some serious awards when it was released. Uh, it, I'm actually going to see if I can pull it up real quickly right now before I forget. It won two Oscars, I believe. It was for, obviously, Best Lead Actress with Reese Witherspoon. Do you think she deserved this Oscar? I mean, who else was up that year? Let me find out. Um, I mean, uh, I'm reading that a lot of people really loved her in this role. I, again, I really liked her in this role, but I, I also knew this role was going to be one of her, like, this was supposed to be her really hyped up performance, right? This is, like, why everyone thought she was such a great actress. And, like, it's good. Like, she's, I'm not saying she does a bad job in it. Like, she does a really good job. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I, you know what? She's one of those actresses that I can never completely believe is, like, you know, uh, dissolve, like, disappearing into a role. Like, she always just seems like she's Reese Witherspoon. Like, in every movie, I'm just like, that's just Reese Witherspoon doing her thing. Like, she never disappears into a character. And I don't think Reese Witherspoon, as as an actress or as a person, like, just seems that charming or like a Brad Pitt, someone who I just find, like, very charismatic. So it's just always, like, there's that woman that I probably wouldn't get along with in real life because she seems, like, kind of, like, uptight. And, like, here she is, is pretending to be someone with a different name. Oh, yeah, I can respect that, and that's for sure. And now I she's don't being like sunny, and now she's being sad and sassy. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the that year, it wasn't a crazy competitive year overall. To be completely yeah, honest, yeah. so the year was two thousand and five. She won the, the Oscar year was two thousand and five. I was almost graduating five. Can you take a gander off of any other nominations from that year? Two thousand five would have been. Any back. movie released like oh, it was it was, was Hathaway who broke back. Uh, I think. Oh no no no! That's that that okay no. Uh, uh. Sorry. Um, movies released in two thousand five. I thought that broke so back. Was it was awarded in two thousand six. But I best lead, was. best lead actor actress. 
sorry, which sorry, I'm getting confused. Was Brokeback not in 2005 or am I going crazy? Um, I lost. I thought we just said he was up against Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. Let me do a little talk. Gotta be like I saw it right before I graduated. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. So I think Anne Hathaway got nominated for that. Probably best supporting. Well, maybe lead. it was best supporting actress. Yeah. So sorry, you're just asking for, well, best for best actress for that year. I would say, mm -hmm. let me think about it for a second. So she would have been. Was it Michelle Williams then for Brokeback? Did nobody get nominated from Brokeback for actress? Um, for maybe. Best? No, you're right. No one would have been nominated for best actress for Brokeback. So is that two dudes? Um, give me a hint. Okay. Well, some it, the the big the the real competitive the real competitive category is actually best supporting actress. Um, Rachel Weisz, uh, Constant Gardner, June oh. Bug, Amy Adams. We got Capote, Catherine Keener. She was great. Love the girl. She's wonderful. She's nice. Um, She's great. That's the real North County, obviously, one of her like fifteen Oscars. Michelle Williams broke back. Oh, that was okay. supporting, supporting. Oh, wait, so, so did Hathaway get best? Was she nominated for no, best actress? She was not nominated. She was Whoa. Not nominated. Weird, but Michelle uh, Williams was. I guess that was kind of like a pity nom because he was uh, dead, and that was her real. No, he was. No, he was. No, he, he was alive at that point. Brokeback. Oh, you're right. He was alive for Brokeback. Brokeback. Yeah. Um. So for best actress in a lead role. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon, obviously. We got Judy Dench for Mrs. Henderson Persons. What? I don't remember that. Yeah, I, don't I never know. heard of that. I don't know. That ain't my yeah. movie. We got Felicity Huffman for Trans America. That was a movie. I swear to God, I thought Trans America was a TV series. Oh, well, there there is a TV there is a TV show um, nowadays. Um, anyway, but um, Kira Knightley, Pride and Prejudice. Which was a big introduction to Hollywood. I knew I knew one of them was gonna be um uh, mm -hmm. one of the not Bronte, um, but I thought it'd be Jane Austen. Um and then there's Charlie Saren for North North uh, Country. Now that's a pretty good list. I, I honestly kind of disagree personally. Um well, I mean trans, trans America is weird because it was Felicity Hoffman playing a trans person, wasn't it? Or am I crazy? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was. So I guess but in retrospect, I mean, it, that doesn't look so great, but, you know. Yeah, no, sure, nowadays in retrospect, for sure. But, I mean, this is a, this is a category where there are some newer names, obviously, with Kara like like Knightley, Felicity Huffman. I know she's, she, if she was, if she won, it was been like, it would have been like one of those long time coming kind of Oscar situations. Judy Dench, she's an Oscar favorite. Um, Charlize yeah. Theron, obviously, she won a a few years prior. Um, I mean, but Felicity Huffman, has Felicity Huffman, like, was vibrating around her. Which, I'm trying to think, maybe I'm just going crazier. Felicity Huffman, I also think of as a TV person. Like, how many movies has Felicity Huffman done? Um, Felicity Huffman, I actually, I remember her mostly growing up from, from like, Desperate Housewives. That's what I was saying. Like, it's TV and, like, Sports Night and, like, other stuff with William H. Macy. Yeah. But I don't think of her as, like, Maybe like in the way that Tony Collette had a long time coming, but like a lot of it, yeah. some of it was TV, like um, the United States of Terror and stuff. Yeah, they're good actors, but I don't necessarily consider no, she them was, just like film. She was uh, for a long time. She was always in the conversation of actresses that were it's, so it's, talented, like, like very serious, actresses. reliable, consistent, really great 
fantastic Journey TV actress. Journey women. Yeah. yeah. Um, similarly yeah. as uh, Edie Falco. Edie Falco, I often get confused for Felicity Huffman, although only one of them, I think, has been to jail IRL. Um, come over here, you silly duck. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, say hi to the camera. Say hi. Say hi. Say hi. Say hi. Say hi. That's Tulpa? Huffman. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, Sammy. So, um, yeah, just sort of like to quickly round it out, like I think out of those categories, I haven't seen most of those movies. I think that sounds like fine that Reese Witherspoon won. I clearly have like some sort of like internal bias against her. Like that's the name of the film. I mean, the name of the series, but like, I, yeah, I just, I just, I didn't even know I felt this way about it until we started talking about it. But like, yeah, I, I find her like a real turnoff, like in general. <laughs> so I think this movie worked for me despite her. I think a lot of people have those biases, especially uh, especially for certain actors. One of my good friends from high school and college, she was like, yeah, I just like, I, I can't watch anything with Ava Mendes. I can't. And I was like, why? And because I never bothered me much personally, but she's like, yeah, she just seems like she'd be such a bitch. And I'm like, okay. She's married now because she's married to Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and I was like, that's 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 a very particular thing. And I was like, I was like, have you seen her or anything? And I'm like, and she's like, no, but I don't want to watch her in anything. It's like, yeah. okay. I mean, I feel that way probably about a lot of people, but like Reese Witherspoon yeah. in particular, I think reminds me of a lot of girls I went to high school with. It reminds me a lot of like middle management kind of like bosses. Like she just seems what like about, a type to me that I don't, I do not react well to. What about election? Have you seen election? She's great in election, but election again is playing into who I think she really is. I think that as who Reese Witherspoon is like just at heart, she is Tracy Flick. And you really, do you think you really think so? I truly, I truly believe that she is this type A kind of like wound height, needs everything in this right place. Plus there was this thing a couple of years ago. I don't want to bring this up as like part of like why I don't like her acting, but like it does play into the, like my inability to separate the characters from like who she is as a person. She got pulled mm -hmm. over and she did one of those things and they caught it on audio tape and like TMZ released it. And like, so that's what but she's like, she's just like, yeah, she just did this. Do you know who I am? And like, this is America and you can't like arrest me. She didn't manage to say any racist thing, which is great. That's just like considered an A plus in today's, uh, you know, economy that you can that just, one. as long as you didn't say anything severely racist or transphobic, then you can like sort of, we'll just let it slide. But it wasn't great. And like that whole, do you know who I am? And like, can I speak to your manager? Is just entirely her vibe to me. The Karen. Oh, I did not know she that. Seems like Karen. Yeah, she seems like a Karen. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That's definitely. But she's got her shit together. And look, she's not like done anything in like the public eye that's made me think like, oh, she's a bad person. Like she's like Dave Chappelle or something. She's just like, she does her shit and she does it really quietly. She has a good production studio. She's just very type she A. And, like, sold. Sorry? She sold that production company. Oh, she did. Okay. Yeah. And Pretty Little Lies, I think, is also like, uh, not pretty, uh, not Pretty Little Lies, Big Little Lies. Um, yeah. Is a really, the first season of that show was very strong. But again, like, I just think those women were all just playing themselves, essentially, which is why Laura uh, Dern is the only great part. <laughs> I love Laura, Laura Dern. Um, have you seen the movie Wild? No, I have no interest in seeing Wild. Why not? <laughs> Cheryl, because, like, again, that's a biopic, it deals with like these heavy subjects. And it's like just Oscar bait. Like it is just like trauma bait, terrible thing. Uh, you know, someone trying to get over a heroin with like walking. The Cheryl Shane, sorry, yeah. Like nothing about that appeals to me uh, as a viewer, like as an entertainment viewer. Although I understand like the necessity for it in 
in cinema. Mm-hmm. You, are you I, okay? Well, for that movie in particular, I I don't love the movie. I like the movie okay. Uh, but I, I liked, there's there some aspects of the movie that I really was grateful kind of di- they kind of a little bit dive, dived into that the book didn't all that much um i remember really? reading the book when I was like in high school maybe college around that time like the movie like the movie it kind of it briefly touches on it um the fear you have as a as a woman yeah <laughs> and it's not like it's not like something that's pretty obvious However, but there's like certain things like where she is, she, she's in a situation where she's, she's, she's hiking and everything. She's by herself, but she ends up coming across and she ends up like running into these two guys, middle-aged guys. And they're like, oh, it's like, yeah, we're just going to be up here. Hey, um, don't you worry. We're just going to be over here. Like, he was like, we can eat together. We're going to have a fire and stuff. Like, feel free to hang out and everything. Yeah. And she's, at first she's like really fine with it. And then she gets to a really, she gets to a point where she's like, oh shit. Yeah. Were well, oh, you fuck. the one that was telling me that like, <laughs> and, you were like, every time I was telling me that this is like, wild is the movie where you keep thinking things are going to go worse. And then like, it's a surprise that things like, things are just yeah, like vaguely it's, menacing. And it really absolutely. captures like, being a woman. It, it, that's something I really, I, I really liked about it, how it really touches on the fear that we can have, especially when, as a woman traveling alone, how terrifying that can be, how anxiety filled it can be. Like there's another scene where she's um, picked up, she's, she's picked up by a guy um, and she, and he offers to take her home and she's like, at first she's like desperate and she doesn't really think about it. And she's like, okay, well, I need to find a place to stay the night kind of thing. She's and then like an addict, right? I know she's not an addict at this point, oh, but she was like a former addict. Yeah. She's a former addict, but she's at that point she's trying to, and she's like, Oh my gosh, this car is moving. I'm and it just kind of realized she realizes where he, where they're going. And it's like deep in the country. And there's like no lights or anything anywhere. And she's like, Oh, fuck what have i done it's, and, it's really funny to like think of that movie and then think of the movie that shares a title similar title sound but uh into the wild. into the wild which is like both of them are about like meeting people out in the wilderness but into the wild i think and having read that book like i imagine like the idea is just way more about like the greatness of humanity and how like these coincidental meetings with strangers can really help shape their lives and even though he died it's like very heartwarming and inspiring all his little interactions with people and then it's like a movie about a woman doing basically the same thing. And it's like, oh no, that's dangerous. Like you're putting yourself into trouble, honey. Even though he's the one who died. Oh my gosh. It's, he in it's, real life lived. It's, inc- it's, 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 it is filmed incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Um, I just mean in terms of like, they, just, the they battle, is. they battle very, very different things. They take place at very, at different times. Yeah. And, uh, well, oh, of course. And one is like the one they're both very they're they both have very specific goals in mind when it comes to the end of their trip kind of situation. Yeah. With with Wild in particular, you talk about how you meant you mentioned how the how great having these relationships with strangers and um all the how it can be have a positive influence in your life, all that good stuff. I remember watching that movie and I still, I remember watching it like last year for the first time in a long time. And I still felt the same way. I'm like, all these people are awful. Really? <laughs> well, maybe not awful, but I remember being like, no, don't Wait, do that. Wild or wild? 
no wild. Okay, sorry, okay, not, okay. sorry, no, sorry, that's no, about the other way around into the wild. Into the wild, okay, with uh, Emil yeah, Hirsch. Into the wild, um, with uh, Emil, Hirsch Emil Hirsch and Emil Hirsch, uh, the directorial debut of Sean Penn. But really? I was annoyed. I was like, this wow. this this kid is 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 an, is an idiot. He's not taking the necessary. Oh no, he's so dumb. Like I mean, not he's so dumb. So like not he'll be dead. But like someone should have taught he him. Burned the social security card. I mean, Jesus Christ, that, that's such a tragic story. Just because like somebody should have taught him like not to do that. Yeah, and, and like, he and he figured out later on. And there's like he there's like one thing with kind of dating like a 15 year old played by Kirsten Stewart, little baby Kirsten Stewart, and she's trying to have sex with him for the first time, and he's like, no, and she's like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah, it's it's super weird. Without a pants um, on. It's sad. I love John Krakauer books though, so I really like I it's really stories um but uh yeah and to walk back to walk the line um walk the line well, yeah walking back to, yeah walking back to this line this movie in particular the for best lead actor obviously with now this was an intense this was actually a really competitive year for uh, for best lead actor with Joaquin Phoenix, we got the winner of the from that year with Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously with Capote, um, Terrence Howard, Hustle and Flow, Heath Ledger, Brokeback Mountain, Walk the Line, and but also David Strathen for Good Night and Good Luck. Yes, uh, real quick, not to not to, but just in case this ever comes up in trivia, Sean Penn directed three movies before Into the Wild: uh, The oh, Indian really? Runner, The Crossing Guard, and The Pledge. Those were his three films before. Oh, I stand well. corrected. How yes. I thought it was in my head. It, it, I, it was like oh. Actually, it looks like there was one more because his fifth film was The Last Face, which is 2016. So, thank you for the correction. I appreciate that. Uh, no problem. I just, I just, it sounded a little bit off for some reason. I thought he directed Mystic River, but no, that's like Eastwood, right? That's Eastwood. So, yes. Yeah, he's just in it. Um, yeah. So, Walk the Line, pretty good. I think in general, what I'm noticing a trend about Mangold's movies is like. They're trending upwards. Like he's getting more nuanced. He's getting I think this movie. God bless you. This movie was the first one from him. God bless you. Where he actually did a good job balancing the male and female perspective. Yes. Like it wasn't. Yeah. It was the first time he's had a, a male-centric movie that also has a strong female character who doesn't suck. So good job on that. And she also she feels like a very well-rounded character. She's smart. She's interesting. Kids. He, yeah, she's got her he, own life. She bites back when needed, mm-hmm. at uh, and she really goes head to head with uh, with with Johnny Cash's character really, really well in a way like a lot of biopics they don't really do that. Yeah, I think uh, you know a lot of them. There's again, there's this narrative usually uh, of how these biopics should should go. And there's the first wife and then there's the second wife and it's like whatever but it's never really just about like how the woman was her own thing who had her own life and her own kids before he came along it's always just like she just shows up in his life like a manic pixie dream girl and like suffers whatever fate but this this was a really strong movie that again reminded me a lot of like the warrens in like a, a, a conjuring movie where you're just like oh this was a team this was a group af- effort yeah um so uh, so next week, actually, I was just going to put in the private chat, but I, I can say it out loud, I guess. Next week, we are yes. doing one of my favorite remakes of all time and one of my favorite Westerns, uh, just full stop, um, which is 310 to Yuma. 
God, this movie's so good. Although, you know, if you if anyone hasn't seen it yet on Netflix, check out The Harder They Fall, because that is also in contention for the best Western of all time, in my opinion. That movie is it's, fucking It bad. will be in my top 10 of the year. That movie's going to be my top 10 of the decade. Like, that movie was so good. Like, I, 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 I watched something with Andres and Jen Kemp, like, on Sunday night, and, and Eric, and I was just like, this movie's so cool. It's... I well at first when I was watching it like uh, initially I thought it was like there was like a it was supposed to have a heavy fantasy element to it I was like there is there is a sort of yeah there is a certain fantasy element but but these are real cowboys that um like it's no like it's like it's obvious we black cowboys were much more common than white cowboys historically speaking that that's not news what what I there is but I, I didn't know any specific bl- uh, famous like really famous like black cowboys versus like say Wild Bill and things like that um and it's a heavy majority of the major characters like stagecoach Mary they are based off of actual real black cowboys and I was like oh shit I mean, just everything about this movie just spoke to me. How it was, like, very much a love letter to Tarantino films, but, like, did it... Not better, but, like, did it in its own way, where it just, like, didn't scream the N-word every five minutes. And, like, the soundtrack was dope. And, like, he did some music... The director did some music on the soundtrack because, like, he is a musician, too. And just, like, he's his name's James something, but he spells James, like, J-E-Y-N-E-S. He's the best. I want to, like, look up all his work now because that movie fucking slapped so hard i wish we could just you know what next mm-hmm. week we can do 310 to yuma but then we'll also be talking about the harder they fall <laughs> to go watch it. it's color um, like i also when it comes to westerns i don't associate westerns with colorful movies mm-hmm. oh this movie's color palette was amazing it's so beautiful i was like the velvets and like the colors and it was oh my god and when they go to so white town <laughs> then they go in, yeah they go into white town <laughs> Oh my god, that was hilarious! Oh, and everyone's so good. Like, like Keith, like fucking Idris, like Regina King, oh. like it's. Oh. Yes, oh. Yes. Um, so Alex, where can people where can people find you? Um, you can find me up here at Real Alex Mac. I am just about to hit my hundred and sorry, my two hundred and twentieth first watch film of the year, and um, slowly but surely, <laughs> I need to watch three hundred. Somehow. Wait, so you have like two months left to do a hundred movies? That would be like no, less than a hundred movies. Less than a hundred movies. It's like you have like you have like under sixty days. You have literally like forty-five days to watch that many movies. Do you think you can do it? Um, it's like closer to yeah, I but it's approximately like fifty days. Okay. Okay, and they're holidays, so like you might have more time available, like then yeah. And when I do watch, uh, when I do watch movies, I usually watch two. I like to watch two in a day. Like yesterday, I watched two movies, like Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, fuck yeah, I love that movie. That's my favorite Jamie Dorman film. Oh, ditto. Oh, ditto, girl. I was like watching that. I was like, one, I need him in more comedies. Two, yeah, that's what it is. Musicals. Three, he just needs to be wearing shorts all the fucking time because he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jamie Dornan, a surprisingly funny actor. You wouldn't know that necessarily from the movie where he thinks he's a bee, but uh, <laughs> he's 
the thing that got us into the John Patrick Stanley uh, essence. Um, so anything else that you're up to? Are you, are you um, doing, you said you were doing some training? Yeah, um, it's like, um, I say I, I've been just doing a lot of uh, training and everything with some of my competitors and I've been putting together an IG Ironman match. Uh, one of my competitors, I was in my faction before, right before getting recruited into first class league that now has the IG belt of first class league. I'm so proud of him. Sean, um, uh, he, uh, I'm putting together an IG practice match for him, so... Sweet. A lot of questions. A lot of questions, y'all. Uh, as for me, I am Video Drew. You are on my channel, so please like, comment, subscribe, rate, do all that fun stuff. Um, you can also check me out at patreon.com backslash Video Drew. There's like a lot of fun options there, um, like, you know, coming to a study sessions, uh, entertaining movies for Cinema Bias, this show. Um, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up too. Also check out this show as well as some other content that some of which you can't even find on YouTube over on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, check out our channel, P Content Candy. It's Content Candy, like cotton candy, but spelled like content, um, where we have shows like me and Lon Harris's Garmin Shosia. We do um, the show that I have with you uh, on there, as well as the show I do with Adam Collins, Why Are We Like This, where this week we'll be talking about Chucky. It's on Saturday night. Yeah, that's that's. I made that image myself, by the way. Oh, really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, guys, just to check me out over there. If you leave a nice review, I will I will recommend you for whatever you want on LinkedIn. That is my promise to you. Um, otherwise, have a good evening. Happy almost early holidays, and we will see you soon. Um, okay. Bye.